Women in Leadership brought to you by Heron Code, the management consultancy for what happens next. For more information, you can visit heroncode.com. In this podcast, we will be talking to female leaders of today to inspire the leaders of tomorrow. But I somehow wanted to learn French and this teacher had a huge impact on my career path thereafter because she came from a family uh, linked to hospitality, invited me to Switzerland and that left the mark to start my entire career path. I was always a big dreamer. And even as a child, I used to have a world map above my above my bed and I was always looking which part of this world would you actually like to work in I mean it came totally different yeah but uh, it was inspiring and so, so it shows you already there was a certain breaking out yeah. um, of the norm you need also to be sometimes at the right place at the right yeah. time you have to have somebody who sees you it's not all about who you are you know it's yeah. also the momentum in your life and things can shift again. And I was lucky enough to have that. I have been for quite some time already, you know, in business. And I felt that with a certain maturity, you can also give back to the community. Women in Leadership brought to you by Heron Code. The Heron Code Women in Leadership podcast uh, brought to you season three. I'm your host, Nimi Mehta, and the season continues with some fantastic guests who are bringing so much value that you are all implementing into your own daily lives. And we love to hear from you. Thank you so much for the feedback so far. Today's going to be a great episode because we've already got talking beforehand, but uh, I know that this is going to be really interesting for you all to get takeaways from. Uh, We are joined by Dagmar Symes, a result-focused leader with an empowerment agenda in luxury hospitality. Dagmar, welcome to the show. Thank you. How and are thank you? you for having me. Very fine. Thank you. <laughs> I, you know, I said we were talking before because Dagmar was giving me so many moments of wisdom. And I was like, Dagmar, I'm so sorry. You're going to have to repeat yourself again. But, <laughs> but we've got so much to get through because you have had such a vast career. You've had such an interesting story. You've relocated. You know, you've shifted direction many times. And we'll definitely get into that. I would first like to ask you, we are on a Women in Leadership podcast. So I take you back to the very beginning and I ask you what helped you in your early years as you were growing up to become the woman that you are today? Very lovely question, actually. And thank you again for having me. Look, I truly believe that coming from a loving and caring family background helps a lot in putting a solid base down for your future life. Mm. I have certainly been brought up in a relatively, you know, disciplined and authoritarian German family, but at the same time with a lot of values and true care and uh, support. And the more I see, you rightfully say, I've been around for a little bit, (laughs) I've shifted a lot, have done this and that, that always gave me the strength and a sound root and foundation Mm. for what I did. And uh, I believe that was most likely the most crucial part to help me to be who I am today, Mm. whoever that will be, but we'll find out. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. What was your upbringing like? What do you remember? Set the scene for me in terms of German culture as well, in case Mm. our our listeners don't know. Mm. I think there's the stereotype German that you might always linked to punctuality, discipline, delivering results. 
But yes, it is like that. Mm. It might have shifted now with the younger generation, but I still come from a background where you are playing outside, you enjoyed, we didn't have necessarily all this technology. So, uh, you know, life besides school was outside, very active. You were playing in the woods, in the garden. Mm -hmm. You did a lot of sports. And in all that, a very classical family in terms of my mother would be at home. We were three children. I was the middle kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure that has also some influence <laughs> <laughs> to some extent yeah. um, on who I am. And um, a medical surroundings. My, both my parents were in the veterinarian field. Uh, my brothers later on in the medical field. Mm-hmm. And I was the little black sheep <laughs> wanting to go in hospitality. <laughs> But I was allowed to, Mm. which is very nice to see that for education, my parents would do anything. Yeah. Um, So the base elements I was brought up with is also linked to the history of my parents who left the eastern part of Germany Mm -hmm. after World War II when the wall was built. And uh, they literally left their home without anything at hand. My mother left with her school class, my father with a friend on a bike. So they had to build their own little life from scratch. And I think that leaves a big mark in what my upbringing is too. Uh, So there's also this logic, you work to live, but you, you know, live to work. Mm -hmm. Which part is the better one? I leave it up to you. But the German logic, when I was raised, you live to work, Mm. which doesn't make it right, but it gives you a certain logic of Mm. uh, who I am today. Mm, Absolutely. And were you a big dreamer then when you were younger? Did you have dreams of what you wanted to become? You said you were the black sheep that wanted to go into hospitality. (laughs) How early on was that in, in your journey? Look, hospitality kicked in around about when I was 14, 15. Wow. There is no particular reason actually to it, but I was a person that always liked to do something for others in one way or the other. You know, I would, as a child already, when I saw my mother, you know, three kids at home and uh, looking after all of us, doing this little pleasure on a Sunday morning, waking up early, baking bread rolls, Mm -hmm. setting the table. So there was some kind of feeling already at a very early stage to, to wanting to do something to make other people happy. Mm -hmm. And that was more intensified at the later stage in my life when I took actually outside school French classes, which is equally funny to some extent, (laughs) because the last thing you want in your free time is going to school. But I somehow wanted to learn French. And this teacher had a huge impact on my career path thereafter Mm. because she came from a family uh, linked to hospitality, invited me to Switzerland, and that left the mark to start my entire career path. Wow. Yeah. So would you say she was a mentor for you? I think mentor maybe less, but opening the door Mm. to a different field of expertise, I think... All societies, it doesn't matter if you're German or from a Middle Eastern culture, wherever you come from, Mm -hmm. stigmatize service industry a little bit on the negative side of things. Mm -hmm. And I personally also believe hospitality is very underestimated in the business as a whole. But my father still today would say, you don't work in hotels, you live in hotels. And that Mm -hmm. says a lot. Mm -hmm. 
But it opened doors to me of a world that seemed different, like a theater, like being on stage. And my decision actually was made when I had a tour back of house in a hotel and I passed by the kitchen and I saw all this bath and the, the, the cooks, you know, with the talk there, mm -hmm. their heads. And I was like, this is awesome. You know, it's being part of that to some extent yeah. would certainly excite me. Mm -hmm. And that's really how it kicked off. Wow. And so where do you stand on education versus experience and how does that work in hospitality because we skip forward to 2023 where now employers are really looking they they shove the cv to the side and they say tell me more about you your personality your character mm. and the mm. experience that you mm. have where do you stand on that and where was your journey when it came to hospitality education and experience before you really got into the industry mm. i mean education is such an important base component mm. And that hasn't shifted ever from generation to generation. My entire education anyway was always based on less material or materialistical things rather than really education, because that is something nobody can take away from you. And to be honest, I do exactly the same with my boys who are now 18 and 23, where anything we would really invest full-heartedly goes in education. Mm -hmm because that is your base for the future. In my case, uh, despite black sheep is maybe a little harsh in the wording, <laughs> it turned white in time, but uh, there was full support when my parents realized that's what she wants. Mm. That is really what she wants. And then we aimed uh, at most likely one of the better educational systems and institutions with the Ecole Hotelier in uh, Lausanne in Switzerland. And that gives you again a new solid foundation together with the alumni. And thereafter, you have to, to run your own career path, right? Mm. Which is then beyond education. Yeah. So whilst education, I think, is so important as a base, mm. is who you are, what is your vision, what do you want for yourself? And I believe you can really only grow as far as your dreams go. Mm -hmm. So you can basically open it up or limit yourself. Yeah. Um, I was always a big dreamer. And even as a child, I used to have a world map above my, above my bed. And I was always looking, which part of this world <laughs> would you actually like to work in? I mean, it came totally different. Yeah. But uh, it was inspiring. In, so, so it shows you already, there was a certain breaking out yeah. um, of the norm. Mm. And so tell me about those early years in hospitality. Mm. So you've done the education, you're now well within the industry. What did you learn about the industry in the, in the first few mm. years that mm. now still sticks with you to this day? The uh, full focus on the customer. It's a very guest-centric approach hospitality, which in time, I personally believe has shifted into a more financial component. Mm -hmm. Hospitality has always been a business. So I'm at times very surprised about the profitability character because it has always been. Mm -hmm. However, uh, I think there was a huge shift over the past 10, 20 years of my experience. So I really joined based on a very operational mm -hmm element and based on a very human element. Mm -hmm. That's how I entered the industry. That has in time, I'm not saying it's not existing anymore. Of mm -hmm. course it does. 
but it has shifted into a more revenue generating exercise, into a more finance direction, noting that all my former colleagues derived when they became GM from an operational field. You know, either they started in culinary their career mm -hmm. or at the front office. Nowadays, that has shifted, which is aligned also with academic studies. It's more international. Now you do a bachelor mm -hmm. or an MBA, wherever you are in the world. Yeah. That is a tendency that did not exist back then in mm -hmm. the time. It was much more practical and really on the field mm -hmm. expertise. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because in the early years of, of the industry, you're really just learning on the job. Yes, <laughs> You're figuring it out. You're, you're yeah. learning from the people around you. You're learning from the mistakes that you made, the challenges that you come across. Is there a standout moment for you in those first few years of being in the industry? Oh, definitely. That definitely. still rings to this day. Absolutely. I mean, when I started my career, for me, it was clear it has to be a leadership role. There was no way that I would stop in between. The dream was to run my own hotel mm -hmm. for various reasons. It did not materialize yet, <laughs> but that led to a proper career path. And I immediately tried for myself to tempt different areas in the hospitality. Might it have been uh, the rooms division? Might it have been sales and marketing? Might it even have been, you know, as the personal assistant of a GM? Mm. Just to see what's really out there. And that in combination with having dared to go in maybe more remote locations, maybe hotels that were not immediately on top of the list, mm -hmm. gave me a huge opportunity to really explore what I thought fits best to me. Mm -hmm. And it happened that the key moment was truly when I was employed as a uh, front of house manager in a boutique hotel in France, where I realized on site that quite a few things didn't really make sense or match. And I informed the owner back then that I feel there is a need of some auditing at some stage. Mm -hmm. And out of that derived actually a change in the leadership team, because I was right in not only my assumption, but facts. Mm -hmm. And the former GM was released, which was clearly not what I was aiming at, but that was the logic consequence of the events. And then the owners tried to find somebody new to replace this general manager and asked me just to be the liaison part for the time being. And uh, it was a small hotel, you know, 28 rooms, super cute, like mm -hmm. mini Walt Disney Castle in Saint-Emilion. And uh, there was a moment when I realized that with a lot of passion and pragmatism, with common sense, you can still give a lot back mm -hmm. to the to the owner. And I approached them. I said, look, uh, it seems that it takes you a little while to find really the replacement. May I offer a kind of barter deal? Yeah. It was never about money. Mm -hmm. I think that's also most likely a message that needs at times to be passed. Yeah. Money comes and goes. 
money you will earn once you have reached a certain position. But in the earlier years of hospitality, to really look into the financial package, I personally still today mm. find less appropriate for your own career path. You mm. have to learn more from the exposure, from the experience, mm. rather than from a financial package. Yeah. And I asked back then, if you wouldn't mind to just stare together, leaving the floor to me mm -hmm. with a very clear reporting line. And they did. And that turned out that at the age of 28 back then, for the first time, I got a general manager position, which I hardly knew how to fill. And I'm not claiming yeah. that this was, you know, the GM mm -hmm. of a lifetime. But owner and myself, we felt, let's give it a try. Mm. And it worked out perfectly well. And that was the key moment to really launch my career path forward. Wow. But it takes a lot of bravery at that level to go to the owner, to speak out, to speak your truth. Mm. And there could well have been consequences for you, mm. you know, within the team that you were working in. Mm. Where did that strength to speak out come from? I think, again, that's how I was raised. Mm. Honesty, integrity, discipline was always part of the upbringing. Mm -hmm. And I personally firmly believe doing the right thing has never harmed. It's not the easiest way. I'm not saying that. But right is right and wrong is wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think I had always... Even as a child, as a young woman, and now a very strong sense for myself of what I felt mm. is right and wrong. And I really believe in um, yeah, certain features to live it properly. Mm. Yes, it takes courage. I totally agree. And sometimes with hindsight, yeah. I even wonder myself, you know, it's uh, when you move, sometimes you also have your boxes and you look at all communication. And I'm like, did I really write that? Oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah. But as long as it is respectful, mm -hmm. as long as it is polite, and more importantly, a no doesn't stop you mm -hmm. from still continuing. I think it's perfectly fine mm. to to try to dare. Mm -hmm. What do you have to lose, really? Yeah, absolutely. And luckily it pulled off for you that time. It did. It did. <laughs> it worked out. Um, now, I spoke when, when I kind of introduced you, I said you've had many shifts in your career. Yes. What I found interesting when I read about you is that, so you left the hospitality mm. realm to then jump into a managerial role in luxury jewelry businesses. I mean, huge brands. We're mm. talking Bulgari, Louis Vuitton uh, as well, mm. marketing director. Mm -hmm. I mean, you really then shifted to another space. Mm. Tell me about why that move happened and why it's okay to shift and learn something yeah. new. The why was actually a family reason. Okay. And it was not the best of all because uh, when I got married... I would not have thought that I would go on a real continuation of my career path. But uh, my husband back then turned out to be severely sick mm -hmm. and could simply not work anymore mm -hmm. at the very early stages of our marriage. And I had the two kids. I had a sick husband. And again, how do you deal with that? Mm -hmm. And I was the sole bread earner literally overnight. So dealing with all that... In a leadership position in hospitality, I felt I cannot make it because hospitality is still more 
24-7, that's a big word, I understand. Yeah. It has been, mm-hmm. you know, modified over the years yeah. into more normal working hours. But if you're passionate and you really like what you do, you are basically also the leader and the role model. So you are in mm-hmm. it. And I felt that it's too intense to combine it with the family. And it just happened by pure coincidence that Louis Vuitton back then was looking for a new senior manager and I applied, assuming that, I mean, managerial roles always demand from you a lot of investment also in time and and presence. But at the same time, I felt it's easier to combine with my private circumstances, which turned out to be the case. Mm -hmm. You have seen, I've been around for 12 years back then in the luxury consumer goods industry. I loved every moment. Four and a half years with Louis Vuitton and then eight years with Bulgari in high jewelry and then end. And I think that these two brands had back then already realized that hospitality people mm-hmm. add value to the guest and customer service because at the end luxury is emotions mm-hmm. is how you care it's attention to detail it's how you deal with people and i loved every moment and if you add up the timing i brought my kids through kindergarten and primary school i brought my husband through the hospital and his deepest moments of sickness. And when I felt now we have reached again a level where the family stability is grounded, I went back to my passion hospitality. Did you miss it? I did and did not, you know, it's, I think I was preoccupied Mm. with different things. So I did not think too much back, Mm -hmm. but I definitely missed the intensity of the business and this Mm. very close connections to, to humans Mm. in both Mm. team members and guests alike. And I knew ultimately, or I had hoped that I would be able to return despite the longer I stayed in retail, Mm -hmm. the less I was sure that this could potentially materialize. But you need also to be sometimes at the right place at the right time. You have to have somebody who sees you. It's not all about who you are, you know, it's also the momentum in your life and things can shift again. And I was lucky enough to have that. Absolutely. Because, you know, since since the pandemic, people were questioning their careers. People were questioning if they're in the right industry. I mean, mm-hmm. some even questioning if they're in the right relationships. True. You know, there was a lot going on during yeah. that time. Yeah. And people were scared to pivot. People mm-hmm. were scared to drop the one thing that they know so well to shift to something else, even if mm-hmm. they knew that that was their passion and their love mm-hmm. and that would make them mm-hmm. happy. Mm-hmm. You essentially had to, you had no choice but to shift. But how important is it to change and shift during your career and your journey in order for you to shape you to become a stronger leader? Oh, I think it's essential. Mm. I think it is so important. If I look back at the generation of my parents, you had these CVs, 35 years, one company. Yeah. You're like, what? Mm. (laughs) So I think I'm a hybrid version of Five years, eight years, now three here, two Mm -hmm. there, which is super enriching and important. The younger generation shifts even more, Mm -hmm. which might be critical. Why am I saying that? I think it's very, very important to change every once in a while for different leadership, different experience, different perspective, different challenges. Failure is the most important part of your journey to learn from that. 
hardship moments mm. are the biggest learning curve. And I always say I have learned from the worst. Okay. I never say I've learned from the best because I truly believe that seeing how maybe it's not done mm. gives you far more insight yeah. and learning than the easier one that facilitate your journey. I think it's super important, yeah. but too often is not good either. Yeah. You see, it depends. In the earlier years, you orient yourself. Uh, you try to figure out what you want to do in life. Um, and that is more than fair. Mm. And sometimes you change completely directions because you figure out that's simply not you, which mm. I think is perfectly fine. Yeah. But when you have a certain position or a certain level reached to really perform and deliver, mm. that also needs some time, yes. you know, to get accustomed to your new work environment. So you, mm. you have to find a mix between stability, sustainability, a certain tenacity to prove that you can, despite all odds at times, yeah. before you move again. Mm. But in general, I find it exceptionally crucial mm. to enlarge your horizon in different directions. Mm, absolutely. And, and you know, being a leader is, is not alien to you. You have driven many teams to deliver successful results. In your opinion, what does it take to be a good leader? I think the first one might be that once you're leading, that you're not really seen. Okay. You share the success. You let your team shine to empower people. Not only your direct gender peers, mm -hmm. but really everyone. I think a leader needs to influence and to give a certain direction, but you have to figure out yourself how to get there mm -hmm. with the leadership approach. I still believe in this total classical approach, leading by example. I think you cannot inspire your team if you just go a total different route. How mm -hmm. would you? And I think people start believing in you or taking you as a leader in a serious way if not only you inspire them, but you're genuine, mm -hmm. you're authentic, you share the good and the bad, you give regular feedback. Yeah. I always believe, you know, so often I've encountered team members not wanting or really evading the performance appraisal. And I'm like, well, why would you do that? Yeah. Uh, it's truly a tool that shows you where you stand. Mm -hmm. And ideally, with an honest and fair approach to a performance appraisal, you will ultimately be guided mm -hmm. again and you get a clear cut in the momentum to go in that or that direction. Uh, leadership is such a big word and yeah. it has shifted also mm. now with uh, diversity, mm. inclusion. It's a very colorful world out there, <laughs> but I take it very serious. Mm, absolutely. And, yeah. and speaking of a colorful world, mm. you are now in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Yes. You've, you've shifted over yes. uh, to a great, great region. Tell me about why that move was made mm -hmm. and how your time has been there specifically in the hospitality industry. Mm. So the move made is a very easy one. Every once in a while you get contacted by, uh, might it be a headhunter, by agencies, mm -hmm. whatever. And in one of those discussions, Saudi Arabia pitched up and that was shortly actually before COVID. And I was so intrigued by the country, by the position, by the overall offer that I felt, if not now, 
when then? Mm -hmm. Because hospitality I have done for quite some time. And here it was more to build a new company in the kingdom for certainly a hospitality-linked environment, but not per se hospitality. And then it was Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. Saudi Arabia, I personally, you asked, I love it. Yeah. I truly love it in a very peculiar way, mm -hmm. I must admit, mm -hmm. because I think it's not yet uh, compatible with a true lifestyle destination, mm -hmm. uh, but they're getting there. Yeah. But it's this opening up, being part, being a very small part in this big Vision 2030 approach, which I feel is very intriguing and very stimulating mm -hmm. to witness yeah. and to play a role in there. Mm. And if you imagine that it just opened up when the crown prince really proclaimed a pure transformation of society and economics a few years back and the vast pace, how the country is transforming, it's inspiring. Mm. It is beyond realistic almost. Yeah. And that was one part. The other part is a shift in, in your own purpose in life. I have been for quite some time already, you know, in business. And um, I felt that with a certain maturity, you can also give back to the community. And with two thirds of the population in Saudi Arabia being under 35, this is the potential actually to explore and to educate and to support, mm -hmm. to make this vision happen. Yeah. And I felt as small as my input might be, it's the right moment to exactly do that. Mm. Because I feel despite these vast opportunities, There's also a risk for the youngsters, mm. right? And for the country. Yeah. If that is not guided properly, it could also not materialize mm. in the way the vision is actually meant to be. And there is such a dynamic and energy currently in the population. It's really lovely to witness, especially yeah. also for women. Mm. That was going to lead me to, to that specific question, actually, which was the future of women in hospitality. I was going to ask on a global scale, as well as specific, mm. specifically in KSA mm. as well. I think that having witnessed, and even in my team, I have quite a few young talents, mm. uh, local talents in my team, how eager, in a healthy way, how eager and ambitious the young ladies are mm. to finally have an opportunity to shine, to have an opportunity to proactively participate in society, in the workplace, is impressive. Mm. Whilst I think it's fair to say that case A comes from a very patriarch society background and uh, with this Vision 2030 to open the door for all youngsters in a very diversified way, it is fabulous to see. Mm. And uh, especially women mm -hmm. embrace their opportunity in such a proactive way. There is a hunger for education and for entering the workforce that is complementary. It's, it's mm. absolutely recommendable if you see how they do it yeah. and uh, it, it needs all support. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's a good thing that you are leading them. <laughs> that is absolutely That's nice. That's a lot. Sure. <laughs> it, no, no, really, because, yeah. you know, I've enjoyed this conversation so much with you awesome. and I feel like 
people can take away no matter what industries they're in, no matter what walks of life, no matter what backgrounds. You've given them so much to think about and, and take away with them. So on that note, Dagmar, I want to thank you so much for coming onto the Heron Code podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Definitely. It was a pleasure speaking <laughs> with you. We will absolutely have you back on the show. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. My pleasure. Women in Leadership brought to you by Heron Code. 